Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soda Pop podcast from the University of North Alabama. Soda, of course, stands for School of the Arts, and pop just sounds cool next to it. Puns, people, puns. I'm Grayson Wagner, your host for today. And, and I am the guest star that has never been seen before, oh. Cooper Townsend. You know, we murdered Kaya. Yeah. Actually, no, we probably shouldn't say that for an episode. Kaya's just not here this week. Yes. Um, she had something to do, so uh, we are just filling in with the two of us. Uh, the, for legal reasons, the murder is a joke. Right, exactly. It's October when we're filming this. Maybe we're feeling a little uh, murderous in some way. but just Slasher just, films, you know. Right, just, just for jokes, just for jokes. Um, so yeah, I thought we could start with a little formal reintroduction for those that might not know us. So just kind of introduce who you are and like what you do on the podcast briefly. I mean, well, why don't you go first, Mr. Host? Okay. Uh, I will, I guess I am Mr. Host. Um, so I'm Grayson Wagner, you know, and I am a cinematic arts and theater major with a concentration in filmmaking. And for the podcast, I'm the producer slash co-host. So I largely focus on editing and um, getting those kinds of technical things down, as well as just uh, co-hosting whenever, whenever I'm needed. So that's my job here. Uh, yeah, so I'm Cooper Townsend, uh, and I am a freshman here at UNA uh, with a, a uh, mass communications major. Uh, and but I still do a lot with the arts. Like both of us are in Christmas Carol currently, which is fun. Actually, uh, he's an understudy for me, so we both have the same <laughs> We're roles. Two of the same. Yeah, that's gonna be a problem. <laughs> but um, uh, mainly co-host or literally whatever needs to be done around here. It's yes. nothing really specific. It's just like, oh, we need you to do this now or this. <laughs> sometimes it's helping with editing by listening over things. Sometimes it's organizing the office sometimes it's moving drawers into uh the room uh, you know whatever it has needed. been multiple times yeah you're very you're flexible done, you know built both of those <laughs> and moved one of these two that's great that's great and pulled all those photos off the wall so clearly you have uh you have a lot going on here today we're going to be going in depth talking about our creative processes but first I mean, it's the Soda Pop podcast, so I thought we could start it off with a little soft drink and soft jams, talking about some soft drinks, soft drinks that we like and uh, some music that we're listening to. So I'll go first. I'll give you a moment to think. I'm sure you've got all sorts of music up there, so I'm, I'm, I'll go first, okay? Soft drinks, I'm thinking Diet Coke. I know it's a bit of a mom choice, you know, to go for Diet Coke, but I think it's perfect for when you're in the mood for a soda, but you still can try to convince yourself you're being a little bit healthy, you know? Like, I got a salad and a Diet Coke, you know? That's, that's how I feel about it, and I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that uh, mind view. That feeling? Mindset. Yes, that feeling that I have, exactly. So, for my soft jam, my song is Easy On Your Own by Always. Why? Well, because they just released this new album, and it's fantastic, and I've been listening to it a lot, so that's why. I actually had an explanation. Uh, so... We're going to go with, uh, you know, it's a soda I don't have much, but it is one I enjoy. It's just the occasional. Uh, Grapeco. Grapeco. Because grape stuff is good. I agree. Simple. That's a good explanation. Grape stuff is good. Uh, like cherry stuff, I prefer in sodas, obviously. Mm -hmm. Cherry. Sure. Cherry Dr. Pepper. Yeah. People till the day we die. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, like when it comes to a lot of like candies and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
uh, it's going to be grape is usually my preferred option. Unless we're talking runts or Laffy Taffy, then you got to go banana. <laughs> you have really specific preferences, but I yes. I admire that. Yeah. Do you have grape a soft is generally jam? superior. Oh, yeah. Grape is um, So my soft jam is actually going to be uh, Sugar Rush by uh, Addison Grace. Well, now you have to defend yourself because yeah. you asked me why. So what's your reasoning? So Addison Grace is an indie artist who posted on YouTube for a bit. And so they had a couple of like demos they posted, but their first official song they got put on Spotify was actually Sugar Rush, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically their story of like the first time uh, they realized they were bi and had a crush on a female. But uh, thanks to Toxic Family and the, uh, you know, the girl they're crushing on being straight, mm-hmm. uh, it was impossible. So it was like a sugar rush as you get the high from it, but it's physically impossible. So it's not love. It's just a sugar rush of being around them. Right. It's just really Interesting. Sounds like a meaningful song. So let's get into the real meat and potatoes of the episode. I love that expression. And talk about our history with creative projects and efficiency and all that. So I was going to start off with like as a kid, you know, thinking back to the earliest days of creativity and your experiences with it. So the biggest thing I remember as a kid Mm -hmm. was making really, really crappy comics. I did the. I'm so happy to hear that you did that too, because I did it all the time. I don't know where. I think it was based on my brother, like uh-huh. how we came up with it. But we had this super distinct style. Mm-hmm. Like the head was normal, designed, and everything. It was like okay. the cert, like the like cartoon, like the, the classic circle, circle, but like with the, all the like designs of whoever character you were. Right. But the body was like a triangle. <laughs> like it went. Okay. Like it was a small triangle here. Out. They had no legs, uh-huh. and like floating hands on either end of the triangle. That is pretty distinct for a, for a kid, I must say. Yeah, it, my, my brother started doing it, and I just, like, followed along with my own and stuff because uh, they, like, worked together and did our own. But we, this is like, the family adopted business. This, we adopted this, like, weird triangle person style. I don't know why. Uh, I don't think I still have any of the comics, mm-hmm. but I might. Like, I, I can distinctly remember, uh, for some reason, my brother's comic was two ninjas. One was blue, one was red. Their, their, like, actual clothes were the same because we weren't creative enough to differentiate them enough, but they were blue and red ninjas. Uh, so I could probably easily redraw one of those. Well, that's lovely. That's, I think that's a good starting point because I feel like, I, I don't know about, I think a lot of people our age probably started with just little comics. and Maybe that was Diary of a Wimpy Kid influence. I mean, it was for me. I don't know about everybody, but I definitely. Ours was, um, what is it? It was not. It's made by the same people who make Captain Underpants, uh, which is a comic. Yes, yeah. I loved Captain. It was Underpants. called like. I don't even remember. It was two dudes. It was like kung fu fighting uh, cavemen. I know it was like Ook and Glug Luke or something. Or, it was like Ook that. and Gluk or Ook. I knew yeah, it was Ook yeah, yeah. and something that started with a G. Um, and so Big that's influence. we we like that. That's what started. And then the fact that they had those pages that were like the flip book where you yes, do that. I did that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the pages in there are ripped, the one you do so much, because I think we still have that book if we haven't given away. Mm-hmm. But those were always ripped because the sheer amount of time we would just be like, ah! I think it's great. Well, I think that's a perfect starting point to talk about creativity because it's like a lot of, I mean, especially as a kid, it's like your best starting point is to just do something really derivative of something else. Just like, you know, you see Captain Underpants and you're like, I'm going to make, I, I saw Captain Underpants and I thought I had a great original idea, which was Atomic Wedgie Man. And it was basically Captain Underpants just with a shirt. And he was literally wearing underwear as well. And that's just, 
that's how creativity is for kids. You know, you see right. something and you're like, I can do that. We literally took that. That's why they were probably two. Right. Uh, but we said ninjas, uh, probably because of the Lego Ninjago show. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Uh-huh. A blue and red ninja. Uh, they didn't, ninjas just kind of automatically do Kung Fu. So, mm. I, <laughs> I think it's funny how, I don't know. I think it's interesting how kids think with those kinds of things. Like I was protective of my like, quote ideas even though they right. were all like stolen you know it's like and i had a friend who started making comics as well i remember being really mad at him and being like hey like you're copying me and he was like well you're just copying captain underpants <laughs> and i was not ready for that revelation i was not ready for that truth you know but yeah i was copying captain underpants so i'm willing to admit just it now captain underpants fan fiction mm-hmm. it took me shout y- out to last week's episode hey it took me 10 years to admit it but yeah i was just copying Captain Underpants as well. And then I remember uh, the next thing we went to when we got a little older, but we're still kids. So we're talking mm. like that was like you're really young, probably first to like fourth grade, I'd say. Right. Fifth to sixth grade. We found a little free app uh, by Apple uh-huh. called iMovie. Oh, great app. Great app. Yes. Uh, we never used the regular filmmaking. We used the trailers, the trailer <laughs> templates. Okay. And we made... God knows how many trailers. It's like you get the the fun parts of making the movie, you know, and then you can just just like the fun scenes. Then you don't have to worry about the rest of it. Well, into uh, adolescence and like high school and everything. What was your experience with creativity like there? Because I got to say for me, I the biggest creative thing that I did in high school was probably I mean, I had my film classes and all that, but I also had uh this weekly show, this segment on the, the student news called uh, Grayson in the Halls. It was my creative outlet in high school, and I got just more and more creative freedom as time went on. And especially near the last year, you know, when it's just, when it's COVID, you know, I could no longer go and interview people like I was used to doing. So I just had to make do, you know, do episodes just by myself. And that was definitely a creative exercise. I had to, um, often like you know stay up until like 4 a.m you know just trying to think of an episode and you can if you go back and watch those episodes you can see in the corner of like a screen if i'm doing a screen recording that it's like it's probably like 4 30 a.m which is <laughs> a great time to be filming and that's before editing great time that's before editing schools. or anything so i would go into school the next day sometimes i would go into school the next day with like literally zero sleep like you know walking in the next day and like doing an eight hour day of school but like with no sleep at all like not even a little bit which is it turns out is a great thing to tell your friends about because you get the you know you get to brag about it but probably not very healthy no but, not at all you know maybe not super healthy but uh it was a great creative outlet to have so yeah what was what was your experience anything create any creative projects in High school or anything? The biggest one, really, uh, if you can get it as creative, because it's not as much freedom, is mm-hmm. just theater shows. Oh, yeah. Theater shows. That's definitely a creative thing. Uh, well, uh, the biggest one being uh, that I remember, like the biggest one I was a role is was uh, our musical my senior year, mm-hmm. which was uh, Aladdin Jr. Yes. I've, Where, I've heard you were Jafar. Yeah, so many people came in and everybody was like, Aladdin, I'm going to be Aladdin or Jasmine. Mm-hmm. Like every male and every female. And I came in and I was like, I'm going to be Jafar. You, you were set on and it. And no one's going to stop me. Mm-hmm. And when callbacks came, the list of who was getting called back, every single one had two to like 
I think Aladdin had like seven. Mm-hmm. I had one. Jafar. Just that Jafar. Is, I was the... They, they only called me back because they needed someone to read with Iago. That is such a great That's feeling. It. Yeah, I know exactly... I, I don't know if I can say I've been in that situation, but I definitely know people who have been in that situation where they're the, they're the only person called back. Great. And they were just straight pretty, up pretty like, yeah, no, we're going to do you first because we just need you to read for the two Iagos and see uh, who you work better with. All right, cool, cool. So what was that... What was it like being in the, the musical? Like, what the... Uh, you know, what, what did that feel I like? I got to terrify the other cast uh-huh. with my over-the-top laugh of pure evilness. Uh, the, the laughs weren't super loud, except for when I get the lamp at the end. Because mm-hmm. uh, I pull the lamp off stage, and then the whole wedding scene happens that I crash. And I'm like, ah, Prince Abdullah. Not Prince Abdullah, wrong one. Uh, Prince Ali is actually just Aladdin mm-hmm. with the Prince Ali reprise. Uh, which is the only song I got to sing, but that's besides the point. Uh, I pick up the lamp, and I do an evil laugh walking off stage. And the first time I did it, I am literally, like, walking, just charging at someone, just absolutely laughing my mind. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, just laughing. At... I think it scared a couple of the cast members. They were all <laughs> like, what the, what the hell? What happened to them? You're corrupted by the lamp. You were method acting. One uh, one person was in our auditorium. Yeah, just the Florence Auditorium. Mm-hmm. Because uh, we were rehearsing in the dance room. Because uh, Keel, Matthew Keel, uh, was the main director for that, which is actually the dance teacher and not mm-hmm. the theater teacher uh, because of the big dance numbers in Aladdin. Um, like, they came out of Norton and were like, what is happening? Because they heard my laugh from the dance room down the hall into the auditorium. We also got a lamp from the Broadway version of Aladdin. Like when I, they I've stopped heard about using. That. That's pretty it was impressive. In, like, you know those giant cases like when people have the super secret things and like the thick cases and it's covered in foam, the perfectly super cut secret. out. For Mission it. Impossible. Like it had like three Perfect. locks on it. And when you open it's like a it, weapon, yeah. There was literally foam covering every part of it except for just mm. to f- perfectly fit the lamp. And they were like, Yeah, I think a high school can use this. No, they just gave it to Matthew. That is and it was no one impressive. like nobody's allowed to touch the prop type thing. Mm-hmm. They kept that locked up unless it was like right before right. Uh, the carpet needed to bring it out to put it in the Cave of Wonders when they came out for that part. Well, let's transition into talking about our current majors. Okay. Um, and you, your major is again mass communications. Mass communications. Right. Right. Do you have any? What are your current, I guess, do you, do you have any creative classes, really, or is it all being focused into uh, a Christmas carol, maybe? As you're kind of. Um, the only comms class I have right now is Digital Media in a Global Age, mm-hmm. which is the general one. It's, um, it's really just uh, information about how digital media has grown, changed, uh, Video games, newspapers, mm-hmm. all the stuff that's used to get content out and how it works. Uh, you've got to take those classes before you can get into the stuff that's actually creative. Because once you learn the stuff, you know how to operate it, and then you can go for the UNA magazine or yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So this is technically my creative outlet for that way of communications. Uh-huh. Uh, the other one would be maybe theater appreciation. We do some games in there and stuff, practice for theater. Mm-hmm. We've done one of those blank scene exercises. I'm sure you know what those are blank scene exercises fill me in and then maybe i'll be like oh yeah for it's sure. the scene where it's like character a and b and it's just lines like hmm what nothing 
What do you mean by that? I didn't say anything. That's all it says. It's super vague. Uh -huh. And then you have to fill in who the two characters are, what they're saying, and what they mean by these very vague lines. And uh, so you I've get to see how, like, done it. people will do the same scenes, like the mm. same lines and stuff, but how they completely differently interpret it. Oh. Like, mine was, a, uh, like, a student, like, the teacher's pet judging someone else for their project. Mm -hmm. Someone else's was judging a dress someone picked out for shopping. Like, just that kind of thing. And we got to make a sock puppet for next Monday. <laughs> That's pretty great. That's my assignment That's, uh... for uh, theater appreciation this weekend. Make a sock puppet. This is so active. Is this with Ariel? No, this is with uh, Abigail. Oh, okay, okay. That makes sense. That's uh, definitely a teacher I would expect to go that extra mile. Um, yeah, she was like, make a sock puppet. It can be these goofy ones here, and she mm -hmm. had like examples, just like random things. Or it can be like a dude with a monocle and a top hat that smokes cigars <laughs> only on Tuesdays. She okay. specifically said only on Tuesdays. Very specific. So I'm hoping she does pull up uh, whoever this uh, top hat monocle wearing sock puppet is that yeah. only smokes cigars on Tuesdays. Maybe he's trying to quit and Tuesdays are his break days, so mm -hmm. he can only smoke on Tuesdays. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I think with my current major, I'm, uh, you know, as a cinematic arts major, a lot of my specific, um, a lot of my classes deal, of course, with film specifically. And so I'm in uh, intro to film right now. And so that is an interesting creative outlet because, you know, you're working within the parameters of a class, but you're also trying to make it something unique, you know? That's, I've always found that to be an interesting experience. So I have a quick question. First. Okay. Uh, it's something, because I talked about Aladdin a lot, uh, right. because that was our actual, in high school. We're going to go with high schooler now. What is your creative outlet? Because, like, the comics we made, obviously, mm -hmm. that's not elementary school because you have more free time. Right. What is some a creative thing, like, in your free time? In my that's free a, time. That's, like, occasional. So uh, I'll go first here. The real one. Now, that's not, like, a big thing, but, like, the small thing I work on is uh, art. Uh, because for two years, ninth and 10th grade, I was self-taught completely mm -hmm. bugging my art friends <laughs> every time I had a question. Uh, and then I took two years of art class. Uh, one was painting and one was like a little bit of everything. It was the intro class. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I never did either like a professor to be really good. Cause like, that's what most of the other students in there were. They were like 10th graders when I was a senior because I just took it once I freed up my schedule another period. But uh, it was like art is just a way to do stuff. It's You draw art, fan art, stuff like that, just whatever I yeah. want. It's just a way to do something creative besides just watch something, and it's just learning it myself and slowly improving. It's not the greatest art in the world, but I do it because it's something to do when I'm bored that's not just like playing a video game. Mm -hmm. Do you have something like that? Yeah, well, in high school, I was also in theater for the whole time so that was uh something else creative going on um and you know film class and everything but now specifically um definitely well the thing that I really enjoy to do is like write and write comedically and just yeah usually comedy specifically and so the thing that I'm really the big project that I have on, on the background and I love to have some kind of big project to work towards I've right. talked about that before just having having some kind of ambitious goal I think it really helps give you something to look forward to. So the big project I'm working on right now is uh, a musical. And that's like, 
That's my thing. That's my big, that's my North Star right now. Every time you say, like, I've been writing my own musical, Mm -hmm. I can only think of a very specific song from a very specific niche musical. What, What niche musical comes to mind when you think of my musical? The guy who didn't like musicals. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. You've seen the guy who didn't like musicals? I, I have, I have. No, nobody else I know has. Really. <laughs> uh, specifically, A Show-Stopping Number by yes. Professor Hitchens. Great uh, song. I've been writing my own musical. Mm. Do you mind if I give you the pitch? That's me. That's what I think of. That's me, yeah. That's what I'm planning to do. I mean, I... And with similar are you watching? Uh, are you watching Working Boys? Are you, uh, are, you, uh, are you writing Working Boys? <laughs> I might be. It's uh, it's similarly theatrical. I like to have something. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be a comedy, hopefully. You know, that's the goal. And um, just having something that big. You know, it's like I've never worked on a creative project quite that huge before because musicals are long. I mean, most if it's not going to be a one act, it's going to be like two hours, maybe even two and a half hours. Like that's that's a pretty usually an hour and forty five minutes to two and a half hours. Yeah. Right. Like they can they can run pretty long. So just working on something with a running time that big, like I've never made like a short film longer than like five minutes. So that's like a really big undertaking. And I do have a creative partner that I'm, you know, working with to help make that happen. But like, it is a, a big thing, but it part, that's part of what I like about it. I like that. It's such a different thing for me to work on. So yeah, that's, that's my big thing that I'm doing in the background is working on a musical. Uh, so do you keep up with star kid or did you just watch work? Uh, the guy who didn't like musicals. Um, a friend of mine really liked Star Kid, and so she, um, she made me watch that one, and I did. I mean, I enjoyed it, but yeah, I haven't really watched it in my free time much. The only other one I would suggest, because the others are like mainly parodies and stuff, mm-hmm. um, which uh, a guy who didn't like musicals is my favorite of theirs. Yeah, uh, would be Black Friday. Okay, Black Friday is their one that came out before, and it's like a weird alternate dimension uh, sequel. To the guy who didn't like musicals, it's still in Hatchetfield. Yes, I've so. heard they have like their own little universe. So yeah, that, that, the Hatchetfield mm-hmm. universe. Uh, they did uh, during COVID like short stories of it, mm-hmm. uh, but you had to like pay to see them originally because they uh, couldn't do shows. Obviously, those are all now all now on now on YouTube. Uh-huh. If I could English, but I haven't watched <laughs> them yet because it's like them reading through short films, okay. like short stories. Interesting. Uh, it's my it's a very niche topic, but it's my absolute. It's one of my favorite genres. Mm-hmm. Is horror comedies. Oh, yeah, I love The guy comedies. who didn't like musicals, uh, Black Friday, uh, Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. We've already yes. established that. Like, the stuff that's main, like, there's weird stuff going on, but it's also, like, just the goofy nature of the main characters. It's so, because I don't like outright horror that much, mm-hmm. but horror comedies are, like, uh, horror, like, uh, a ground bow, where it's just like, what did I just read? <laughs> Those are my two favorites. Yeah, I, I also, I love that balance. I love that, uh, and I think most, usually a, a good horror hopefully can find that balance as well. Even if it's not horror comedy necessarily. So now that we're now that we're talking about like projects and things like that, like I'm I'm thinking about ideas. You know, like where do ideas come from? Like where do your ideas come from? Because for me, it's always I I, I have a hard time finding that. I'm I'm obsessed with originality. Like I'm always like if, if I make something, it has to be so original. And that's part of. Like, for example, just, like, working on my musical, like, I really wanted to have something. This is going to be so strikingly original. And then even if the premise might seem a bit original, it's hard to not fall into so many, you know, tropes and cliches that you associate with that kind of thing. As you say, as so many people say, uh, every story has been written before. You just put a different coat of paint on it. 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, and you, I just, you have to find that inspiration. So like you said, um, outside of the show, you're working on some other things, right? You know, other creative projects. Uh, I don't have a big one now. Uh, the, uh, a big dream one of mine, uh, which, uh, uh Oh, my obligatory fire emblem reference. Oh, mm. it's my favorite game series. Wow. Okay. Whatever. So fire emblem is a tactical RPG. Which means, or some people put it as complicated anime chess. <laughs> right. Uh, which means instead of like other RPGs where you've got like your four people, they pick a move and there's just the four people in front mm-hmm. of it. You've got a grid that's like a giant map. Every movement has certain movements. You've got to move and pick their weapons. But then like battles auto play out depending on the weapons based on their stats. Uh, and three of these Fire Emblem games, the Binding Blade, the Blazing Blade, and Sacred Stones came out on the Game Boy Advance. Which the Game Boy Advance is the easiest uh, thing to hack. Mm-hmm. I think the Game Boy is technically easier by a little <laughs> right. bit. It's less advanced. Game Boy it sounds is like less name. advanced and in black and white. Right. Uh, so most people go for the Game Boy Advance because it's like 32-bit, and I think the Game Boy is in 16-bit. Mm-hmm. Not the point. There's not a Fire Emblem on the Game Boy. Okay. Uh, so it's very, very easy to hack these games, especially, I believe, Sacred Stones, which is Fire Emblem 8. Uh-huh. The latest on the Game Boy, uh, and there's the, it's so easy to hack that s- there's an official website called Fire Emblem Builder. Mm-hmm. That's just straight up someone's already hacked into the code, and the <laughs> website is literally just people have made boxes where you can fill in and make your own thing. And so a very popular thing in the Fire Emblem community is you'll never run out of Fire Emblem games mm-hmm. because of the sheer amount of fan hacks there are of the GBA games. So if you'll never run out of Fire Emblem games, but I hope you like the GBA uh, pixelated style because that's right. all you're getting once you're done with all the mainline games. So part of your, uh, so part be, of your ambition would be to make your make own Make my own Fire Emblem fan hack. Uh, there's two options. Either just completely make my own, which mm-hmm. I'm struggling to come up with a solid... I have the very basic premise I've mm. said. like Back to ideas. It works. Just like we're talking about. But like specifically like characters and stuff. Uh, the other option is something that uh, is Fire Emblem Heroes, which is a very, very bad mobile game for Fire Emblem because uh-huh. uh, it's a gotcha game that you can put money in and get the pretty PNG of your favorite Fire Emblem character. Uh, it's very simplistic. It's not really a strategy. But the story is interesting, but it's so basic in the game, and there's so few characters because of what's in Heroes. It makes me kind of want to make a fan hack that just takes that very simplistic idea they did in Heroes and expand it into what would be a full-length Fire Emblem game. So I'm in a debate about making a fan hack that takes those, like, four uh, characters from Niflheim, the four royals, and, like, the four Mutzfell characters they made. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then Thor and Loki are in it, too. Yeah, I mean, I've thought about... Uh, and then, like, expanding those, like, six characters and their story into a full-fledged Fire Emblem game with a full mm-hmm. cast. Or just make my own. And uh, it's kind of hard tossing between the two because it never can get me solidly started on one because I keep going, I want to expand on this because it seems so good. But also, I feel like it'd be better if I made my own. And it's, like, mm-hmm. this weird little battle in my mind. Well, I've thought about... I, I think it's interesting that you're talking about, uh, like, expanding upon something that already exists because that is, you know definitely a way to get ideas or a way to work with that creative process because uh, many times when I was like thinking oh I'm gonna make a musical like a lot of what I was thinking about is maybe doing an adaptation of something I mean probably something in the public domain just for copyright and all that but doing some sort of adaptation gives you a lot of room to 
already have the story structure, already have the characters. And that that's so helpful when you're writing. I mean, even if it's a new take on it or if it's a comedic take or a different genre entirely, it's still great to have that framework. And I think that can be kind of underrated. I mean, people love working within uh, those parameters, but I, I don't know. I think it's it's definitely an interesting way to come up with ideas. And it's interesting because, like, this one, Fire Emblem is known for having a giant cast. Like, this one has the very basic main characters that would talk a lot, but uh -huh. all the, like, other characters, because it's a very story-driven game, uh, I would have to make myself and fit into the world. So it's interesting as you get the basics of how they would fit into this Norse mythology-based world. I mean, I guess coming up with ideas is the hard part, but, like, what about... This is a bit more of a tangent, but, like, what about keeping track of ideas? Because for me, I am more of a... I love the notes app. I'm, I'm these days. I'm a notes app kind of person. If I think of a joke or even if I say a joke in a conversation and it gets a big laugh, I'm immediately heading to my notes app and like writing it down and being like, okay, I can use that. You know, you can't let something go to waste. So I, I'm writing things down because you don't want a good joke to go to waste. If I, uh, if I want to keep it for whatever reason, uh, Google docs, Google docs is great. Google docs. Mm -hmm. I love Google because docs. I can access that both on my computer and my, uh, uh, phone. I agree. Yeah, Google Docs is fantastic. I'm also using that. I'm literally using. I have. A, I'm a professional. Like you know, script writing. Uh, I have a great script writing software. You know that you're supposed to use. It's industry standard. It's so great. But you can't use it on your phone and your computer. You know, it's so inconvenient. So if I'm trying to find any time available to work on this thing, I want to have it accessible on my phone, and I want to have it accessible anywhere I go. So I think that's part of creativity. You you want something. If you're like a spur of the moment kind of, you know, creative person, you don't want to be restricted by where you are, you know? So that's why I love about working on your phone, honestly. Kind of underrated. I think if I did that with my project, because Fire Emblem Builder is actually putting it in the world, mm. it would be all the world building and the script writing and stuff on my phone. And then when I got onto my laptop, I'd be putting it into the Fire Emblem Builder. Mm -hmm. So, current creative pursuits and processes. What do you, how do you feel about motivation? You know, what is, what gets you to actually do the project? Cause I know you were talking about how you're kind of juggling two ideas right now. Not sure like which one you're actually going to go to. So in the past, or maybe with this one, how do you, how do you think you're going to convince yourself to, uh, you know, get something done? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, cause most of the time I haven't done anything like crazy big or having a giant thing to work towards. Right. And it's usually late at night is when I'm free. Mm -hmm. So it all depends on my level of awakeness. Mm -hmm. uh, if I feel tired, I usually just play a game or something. But the days I actually feel awake, I force myself to do something uh, mm -hmm. more worthwhile. Draw, uh, get in cosplay and do cosplay videos. Uh, because I have plenty of sounds. Because as I scroll through TikTok, I get sound. I, I'm always thinking of what sounds can work for what cosplay to keep up video posting. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. But like working on that, I'm not sure because like it's a big thing. I feel like it's easy for me to be like, I'm never gonna get this done and just stop. Right. Get to that roadblock. I mean, for me, I, I think uh, the only thing that can give me paths something like that is usually a deadline you know I having a deadline is really helpful helpful for me um, me and my friend Adam we really wanted to start like this YouTube channel you know we were like let's start this whole comedy YouTube channel this would be our, our new thing and so in order to make sure that it happened me and him both promised this girl that we knew that if we did not do it by the end of the summer 
that we would both pay her $100 each because that, that was, that was a good motivator to make sure that we actually did it. And so did she actively try to stop you guys? She wasn't trying to stop us. She, part of the agreement was that she had to like remind us like once or twice just so we would remember it because so she, yeah, so that we would do it. Um, but near the end of the summer, we finally did it. We, we did the YouTube channel and we started it. And you know what? We only, we only ever uploaded one video because we didn't want to pay $100. But that deadline did get us to, <laughs> it got us to do what we wanted to do. You posted a video. I posted a video so I didn't have to pay her $100. You know, it's did you like, get YouTube famous off of it? I did not get YouTube famous off of it yet. I may, maybe it'll blow up. How many know? views did it get? Um, less than 100. <laughs> probably like 80 or something. Uh, but... You know, that was, I wanted to reach a creative goal and I set this weird arbitrary goal for myself. And you know what? It, it happened. You just need some, I, I needed some kind of deadline to get it done. And having that deadline, even though I procrastinated until the last second, it still, it still got done, you know? For me, like writing screen, screenplays or scripts or any, anything like uh, that, there was this recent time where I was obsessed with these little like story arc guides and like you know character arc maps and things like that because I thought they would help me like start writing I was really like I was like I need to have this all figured out before I start writing you know and and I thought it was gonna be like the only way to uh like get it done um but my friend Jake we were talking about this and he just told me this is word for word this is a direct quote if you're a good writer and you have a good story, a three-act structure will come naturally. I feel like if you need to grid out a story with sticky notes and paragraphs and plot outlines, it's overkill. And I was like, I was totally against that at the time. I was like, ah, man, I need the overkill because, you know, I need to have it all figured out if I'm going to, you know, jump into the story. I don't want to start working on it if it's not going to work in the first place. But then I was like, <laughs> I realized that it was really good advice and it was pretty much the only thing that allowed me to actually start working on this musical. I feel like story structure is like, if you if you watched a lot of like TV and movies as a kid, it's probably like baked into your brain a little bit. You know, it's like you understand how these things are going to play out. So that's definitely helped me with writing, especially like getting started. If I can take that leap of faith and just like start, it does usually start to make sense because you kind of understand these things intrinsically, you know? The biggest thing I always remember is I try to finish the end first so I have an end goal in mind. Uh-huh. And it's always starting, like art. Once an art piece is started, I can rock and roll. I mm -hmm. can write. But the thing that stops me is looking at a blank page, even if I know what I want to draw. Just starting that first line is always the hardest part. I that, I think Until that's it like, gets to the basic structure of the character. Mm -hmm. Once you get that like outline, I can rock and roll with all the details. It's starting, even mm -hmm. if I've been, done the little like those blank like mannequin things for the structure right. of the character, a hundred times it's still sitting there being like. Uh, you know, should yeah. I take the leap of faith? Yeah, I think that that was, I liked what you said about ending specifically, because I feel like that does, that is something that's helped me recently, like at least having some kind of basic framework for an ending, it gives me something to work towards. I was reading an interview with uh, John Swartzwelder, this Simpsons writer, and this quote also stuck out to me, and this is what's been like guiding me recently. So here's the quote. It's a little long, but stick with me. I do have a trick that makes things easier for me. Since writing is very hard and rewriting is comparatively easy and rather fun, I always write my scripts all the way through as fast as I can, the first day if possible, putting in crap jokes and pattern dialogue. Then, the next day, when I get up, the script's been written. It's lousy, but it's a script. 
The hard part is done. It's like a crappy little elf has snuck into my office and badly done all my work for me and then left with a tip of his crappy hat. All I have to do with from that point on is fix it. So I've taken a very hard job writing and turned it into an easy one rewriting overnight. I advise all writers to do their scripts and other writing this way and be sure to send me a small royalty every time you do it. And I was like, that is so, that's such a good point. Like writing is so hard, but rewriting really does feel so much easier. This is how I write all my essays for school. Mm -hmm. I string of conscious, uh, -huh. the crap out of that. <laughs> Just totally literally word string vomit. of conscious mm -hmm. word vomit. What I think is the best. Mm -hmm. If it's a research essay, then after word vomit, I think where the quotes would fit most slap them in there and then write sentences about describing that quote specifically. Uh huh. Then I go through it myself and try to fix it once. Mm -hmm. Then I send it to someone else to try to fix. Then I fix it myself again. Then I have another person or the same person read it depending on the circumstances. Uh -huh. And then I think it's ready. Oh my gosh. I'm going to be honest. That sounds like a lot more effort than I've ever put into a school essay. But I admire, well, I admire the dedication. Well, it's like word vomit I can do quickly. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then the first read through is literally just one read through. And then it's like, oh my God, this is awful. Right. Uh, I think I that should be the prevailing else, feeling. Then I have someone else edit it. Mm -hmm. And then my read through again is suggesting or denying their essays, which yeah. are things which will also make me think more about the stuff I've edited. Mm -hmm. And then I'll have someone else do that too. I usually have at least two people do it. But anyway, the whole point is I word vomit first and then yeah. I spend like in like the like first two days and then I spend there and try to be like, okay, how do we fix this monstrosity that would probably give me a 40 right now? Yes. I, that's been really helpful for me recently, like really, really recently. Like I've been just writing whenever I can and not getting caught up in the details of it. Of it. Uh, and I'm just postponing the responsibility of rewriting it. And it's, it's giving, making me more productive because like, at least I'm getting something done. Even if it's not great, I'm getting it done. That's probably the reason that I've made so much progress recently is just listening to that quote. And I've also recently... I guess I gotta pay him royalties now, even though I didn't know it was. Yeah, uh, I'm afraid you do. Yeah. How much? How much is he asking for? Uh, I'll give him a pity per essay. He said a small royalty, so that, that's a small royalty. Um, I think that counts. Something else I've realized recently, like maybe yesterday, uh, was um, you know I was talking earlier about my high school experiences and like how I stayed up all night and everything, and I realized that I think I actually enjoy being kind of a little bit stressed or like um, only having a little bit of free time to work on creative things. You know, I thought just a few months ago probably that I wanted all this extra time so I could, you know, use all my extra time to work on these creative projects and I could finally get them all done. But it's like there, there seems the to... the more time you have to do it, the more you go, I can do it later because I yeah. have time. Mm-hmm. And recently I've really started to appreciate these like little slivers of time. Like... Or let's say we're at a Christmas carol rehearsal and there's like a five minute break. Um, I will just like get on my phone and just start trying to write just a little bit, you know, in something like that. It's like such a short amount of time, but it gives you so much more motivation to actually do it. It's like, oh, I got to take advantage of this this time. Write a joke while I still can. And I've been making so much more progress with that. So with, with that mentality and with that quote that I talked about earlier, this has been it's been so productive. It's been a productive like month. Even though I haven't, you know, made that much progress, it's still, it's so much more than I feel like I would be making otherwise, especially with like a ton of free time, you know, it's like less time has made me more productive. So there you go. I feel like I, I'm a businessman, you know, I'm a, I'm a motivational speaker, <laughs> but, but yeah, less time has made me more productive.
Uh, I think if I'm ever going to do this project that I said I was going to do, uh-huh. I need to think of it like uh, with the Fire Emblem thing. Because there's been times where I've done like, or the D&D, where I've done like work, and I'll just be sitting there bored. Yeah. Because it's like your basic work. I'm talking household. Like, oh, you're pulling weeds in the yard or something uh-huh. like that. Like my first D&D character, it was COVID. We said we were going to play as a group of friends to stay in contact. Uh-huh. Uh, and they said, okay, we're going to play. Here are the <laughs> classes, and here are the races. What are you going to play? And I was like, that's a lot of options. I don't know what I'm going to do, and I don't know how to make a character. Mm-hmm. So we had work the day after that, like a housework. And I distinctly remember pulling weeds. I'm bored because it's weeds. Mm. And so I let my mind drift to that, and I built the entire character, her name, her uh, class in the game, her race, uh, and her backstory because I was bored and I just started thinking about it and building it because I hadn't, like, my my body was doing autopilot so I couldn't write it down. Yeah. But my brain was able to just sit there and work on that. So I was still being productive with something else and still made my D&D character. Back when I worked at, like, Walgreens, if there were uh, a monotonous job, like, let's say you're stalking or something, it doesn't require that much brain power. It's like I can I could just turn my brain off and it would, like... You know, you I just start thinking about creative projects, and it's like that is kind of a form of uh, brainstorming for me. Just yeah, doing that's something. How, that's the best so word, monotonous. brave storm, because mm-hmm. there's nothing to stop me from brainstorming because right. I have to get whatever I'm doing done. Mm-hmm. It's like you just got to get it done, and it's like, it and it's kind a way of, to make the monotony go faster. Yeah, I made it more and, fun. And you get more productive with the brainstorming because you're not, mm-hmm. you can't just get frustrated and then go oh, play. I'm a gonna game go watch a watch TV. A TV. Yeah, show. it's like. It's like, listen, brain, it's just you and me here doing stocking this this shelf full of M&Ms. So, like, we have to make this entertaining, okay? So so think of some great story arc that you can do when we're done with this because... Uh, that's how that's I've it. built all of my D&D characters. Uh-huh. D&D story, I have to be a little more productive, like, with specifics, but it's where I come up with basic ideas. Uh-huh. So all the D&D characters I've played in long campaigns and a couple others that I want to play have all been theory-crafted that way. Mm-hmm. Some of them have started completely different. And have like completely changed, but they start theorycrafted that way and evolve into what they are. You also mentioned uh, talking about your essay and everything about feedback, and I was going to talk about feedback a little bit and like uh, you know what's it like to get feedback or give feedback, uh, because for me, getting feedback, I'm not, I feel like I'm good or at least you know receiving criticism at least like outwardly, like you know I'll be like oh thank you and I'll have a productive conversation, but it does kind of, it's like I do really want the positive feedback, you know. How how do you take feedback or negative, positive? Uh, It's the way that it's done. Mm -hmm. Uh, I try to, whenever I give feedback, state something genuinely positive about it first. Right. Put what you think could be changed in the middle. Mm -hmm. Something positive at the end. Yeah. This literally makes a positivity sandwich, as I call it. That's that's what a positivity feedback sandwich. That's a good method, and uh, um, and it like people will actually be more apt to take the uh-huh. criticism and uh, change it because they feel like these two things are good. I need to make the other thing in the middle match the two things they said on the outsides. Yeah, uh, that that is good advice. I definitely have the uh, the theater training kind of back in the back of my head where. Uh, our theater teacher would be like, make sure to ask questions and things like that. Instead of saying like a negative thing, you'd be like, what if you do this instead? You don't do like, you should go to the corner. You're like, what if you went to the corner? You know, it's like, cause it's not your thing. 
it's not your project in the first place. So you might as well offer it as a bit of a suggestion instead of a command. Like it's like, what's what's my authority here? You know, like why should I tell you to do it like this? I should I should offer it as a bit of a question instead. And so I think that that really has yeah, and that's, that's the that's way like feedback. feedback for stuff. Yeah, for sure. In the middle area is like, here's how I think. Yeah. I think it might be better. Yes. Instead of this is definitely going to make it better. What you've written is absolute trash. Right. Fix it. I mean, it's still it's still valuable to get feedback. I mean, like, uh, as my like screenwriting teacher was saying, like about uh, people reading your scripts. It's like once you get into the industry or something like getting getting someone else to read your screenplay is such a hassle even like getting like a friend to do it it's like it's such a no one wants to no one wants to be like i'll take an hour out of my day and like read your whole screenplay or something like that so having like a class or having just an environment where that's you know required it's better just to get some eyes on it and to get some feedback so i think that is a really valuable part of the process and i'm also you know when you have friends who are in creative fields some of them do want to hear it. Some of them do want to like talk to you about it. So that is a reassuring thing. As long as they're not being too mean about it, it's nice to hear what your friends think. Your musical is awful, Grace, and no one loves you. <sighs> yeah, but like my friend, my friend is—he's uh, not saying no one loves me, but he is saying like you know I want to hear, I want to see you know some prog- I want to see this musical script. Like when am I going to see it? And I'm like, okay, give me a moment. I'm still in the uh, the crappy stage. Let me you know elevate it a little bit first. So I think that pretty much wraps up our creativity discussion. You know, maybe I have written down that uh, maybe when we're rich and famous, our process will be totally different. You know, maybe uh, maybe we'll look back on this and say, how quaint, how quaint that they uh, that they write the crappy, the, the terrible version. How quaint that they write the terrible version of the script first. Oh, I write, I write it excellent every time. But um, right now, I think this is a pretty good little uh, encapsulation of it. I think we summed it up pretty well. I mean, you know, pat ourselves on the back, but yeah. Well, then I think it's time for our fizzle down feel good. I think we've reached that moment. We're going to fizzle down and feel good on the way out. So a fizzle down feel good is just naming one good thing that's happened to you this week. So my fizzle down feel good is just, I mean, it's related to the episode just cause, probably because it's we've been talking about it for an hour, but my fizzle down feel good is just making some progress with this musical. This has made me really happy. Like this... I know I'm always kind of talking about it every now and then bringing it up, but like this past week has been really productive. I've started a actual like uh, bare bones script of sorts this past week specifically, and making progress on that has been really exciting. That's so that's my thing. How about you? Uh, I think I'm gonna go with it's just kind of. I've been there's so much stuff that's been happening that I haven't uh-huh. had much like free time at all. And sinuses are making it where I'm tired 24 seven. We'll do that. But, uh, I guess the big thing now is, um, going back to what we had earlier. Um, Starkin. Oh yes. Uh, I believe it was a trilogy planned, uh, mm-hmm. that COVID canceled for, uh, the hatchet field horror series. Mm-hmm. Uh, they announced they're back and that the third hatchet field horror musical is indeed coming. Oh, that's exciting. I didn't even know that. They've started revealing the cast and mm-hmm. that its uh, name is Nerdy Prudes Must Die. Yeah, I think this was a very productive chat. Everything these days has to be productive. I think that was a productive, productive. chat. Productive. Very productive. We're, productive. we're business, mm, yes, we're business we're people now. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think that was a very productive chat. So uh, I want to thank you for being on this episode. 
Um, I guess you didn't have much of a choice, but thank you anyway for being on. No, what do you mean? I said yes to the email and everything, just like all the other guests. Oh, of course, of course. Well, I guess that wraps it up. So uh, thank you guys for listening and bye. 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 bye.